Welcome to Little Joe's Conservative Corner, the podcast where we delve into the latest news through a conservative lens. In each episode, Little Joe sifts through the top headlines and news articles, offering insightful commentary and analysis from a right-leaning perspective. Whether it's politics, culture, or current events, this show explores the issues that matter most to conservative listeners. Get ready ready. to cut through the noise and get to the heart of what's really going on in the world today. Let's get started. Welcome to Little Joe's Conservative Corner. Uh, right, right, right after I was elected, I went to a, what they call a G7 meeting, all the NATO leaders. It was in, it was in South America. And I sat down and I said, America's back. And Mitterrand from Germany, I mean from France, looked at me and said, uh, said, you know, what, why, how, how long are you back for? And I looked at him, and the, and the Chancellor of Germany said, what would you say, Mr. President, if you picked up the paper tomorrow in the London Times, and the London Times said, a thousand people break through the House of Commons, break down the doors, two bobbies are killed in order to stop the election of the Prime Minister, what would you say? I never thought about it from that perspective. What would we say if that happened in another democracy around the world? Well, unfortunately, we live in a world where that idiot is in charge of anything. I mean, (laughs) he shouldn't be in charge of anything. I mean, I don't don't think he should be in charge of, uh, I I don't know, even tying his own shoes, which he probably isn't. Um, Mitterrand was a French president, and he was president between 1981 and 1995. Uh, and just in case anybody doesn't know, he died in 96. So when he became president recently, he met with him, uh, (laughs) unless he died and went to the afterlife and then came, had a conversation and came back just doesn't seem like it's possible. How this man got elected in the first place, because we already knew he had all of these problems, how they're running him again. And how there is a real possibility that he could potentially get elected again because it's tough to beat an incumbent president, it just boggles the mind. You know, it's that moment in time where you go, if you guys do vote this man back in, then whatever happens to all of us is, is deserved because obviously we are just a nation of fools that don't pay attention to anything, uh, vote with our feelings, don't care about facts, don't care about anything else. We're just a, a nation of morons. I just don't see, I don't see how he gets, how he could even be running, but he is Uh, probably because that's his best, their best option. They felt like he beat Trump before. So maybe the same people will come back out and he could beat him again. Uh, I don't know. It's quite a mystery that they didn't think earlier on to replace him, but they're at a point of no return right now. I mean, he's out there campaigning everything. I, I'd find it hard to believe that all of a sudden he would step out of the way and allow for anybody else to run. Just thought we should we should really get into that because it's just it's amazing how stupid this man is. It's amazing his his mental capacity is it's just shrinking daily. <sighs> My God, we have so much going on in the world. There's there's just so much going on here at home and around the world. 
Yeah, and we're worried that potentially this guy could be the guy. It's amazing that we even have to sit here and, and imagine that that's a real possibility. And unfortunately, it is. All right, Jim Jordan. <clears throat> Jim Jordan, uh, the Amazon files, uh, he said that they're feeling pressure from the White House. Uh, internal documents subpoenaed by the judiciary GOP and weaponization indication that Amazon bowed down to Biden's White House to pressure to censor books. Uh, never before released internal emails subpoenaed by the Judiciary GOP Committee reveal that the Biden ha- White House uh, pressured Amazon to censor books that would expose views, uh, expo- express views the White House did not approve of. Um, I, I I don't know if it's, is it, the Biden administration asking, or is it Biden? Um, Andy Solvent, the senior Biden White House official who demanded that Facebook censor memes and uh, and true information, was pressuring Amazon the same way to censor any book that disagreed with the current administration's philosophy on America, which. Pretty much any pro-American book would be would get hammered. I'm surprised that some of these authors that any of us read, I'm surprised that you could even find their books uh, on Amazon. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised that you could even read any of them. You know, anybody that disagrees with that, I mean, mo- most people on the right that write books uh, and try to stay true to the facts, um, it just seems to me that it's amazing they even made it through. Now, I know Glenn Beck... Um, and not just Glenn Beck, Glenn Beck, Sean Hannity, there, there's quite a few people that uh, are constantly complain, um, even even just uh, people like myself, much larger than myself, not even, I don't want to put myself in the same category as those people, but uh, people that are um, uh, talk, uh, political commentators, um, YouTube censoring them, and Facebook censoring them, Candace Owens had a big problem with Facebook, there's some lawsuits that were going on there. I mean, they tried to censor everything under the sun that didn't align with their political agenda. Um, but I'm amazed that any of them have been able to break through all of that and become as successful as they are. It, it is it is quite a feat to watch. They literally had everything against them. The entire system was rigged against them. Uh, look at Parler at one point. Uh, Parler um, was starting to be everybody's backup to Twitter because Twitter was just getting so bad during the 20 before the 2020 election that everybody's kind of making a second account going on parlor. People are starting to have some success on there. Accounts are starting to get larger parlor on all accounts was starting to look like it was going to go somewhere. And then ultimately when Amazon got with the white house, but since they were the ones with the servers, uh, deemed just, just all they had to do was come out and say that parlor had right-wing extremists on there and it was a dangerous app. And then they just said, Hey, simple as we're not going to host your platform anymore. And that's it. That's a wrap. Parlor went down like a ton of bricks. Now, once it went down, it never came back up. It took too long to get back up. It took too long to build the servers. Just didn't happen. The only thing that kind of saved the public space was Elon Musk buying Twitter. And I don't think we would know 
a fraction of what we know now if Elon Musk didn't do it. And this isn't a guy that's naturally a conservative. Obviously, he's pro-freedom and pro-speech, but it doesn't mean he's a conservative. You can be pro-freedom and pro-speech and see that all that stuff's wrong. Doesn't make that doesn't mean that me and you agree on on every single thing that we uh, discuss. Um, but it's amazing that they were able to get through. It really, I mean, simply amazing. They had everything was stacked against us, and everything was stacked against them. And the fact that they were somehow, some way, they managed to get through all that with everything being suppressed the way it was. You know, you got to tip your hat to them because they they are they did such a good job, and they are that big. And you know, tip hat to yourself too because you, you seeked out the truth and you stayed true to the people that you believed in, and you stayed with them. It's really uh. Really, quite, really, it's really kind of amazing. Jim Jordan's the one, by the way, breaking all this information. Um, the the White House concluded, you know, they they gave their own def- definition of propaganda and misinformation on topics such as the vaccine, uh, the Hunter Biden story, and it's pretty detailed. All the pages that have uh, that they have released as of right now, and. Um, I think more and more is going to continue to come out. So good, good on Jim Jordan. Jim Jordan, I feel like still one of the good ones that's searching for the truth uh, and trying to do the best that he can up in Congress. I don't know how anybody else feels about him, but at least from what I see, you know, not every person, not every human being is perfect because we're all not. But from what I see, we do have a certain amount of fighters that are in the GOP right now, whether it be the house or the Senate uh, or even people below that. Um, and if we could continue that momentum of voting these really American first people in, I think we could finally rebuild this party to be what it was intended to be, you know, not what it has become, because it's just become another extension of the Democratic Party in the swamp. Fanny Willis. Fanny Willis, <laughs> she, she's just having a bad day, you know. She's, she's not doing real well these days. Uh, a fourth co-defendant in the Georgia case against the uh, former President Donald Trump has filed a motion for the court to disqualify uh, embattled District Attorney Fannie Willis. The co-defendant, David Schaefer, who was in the 2020, served as Georgia's GOP chairman and the GOP presidential elector for Georgia during the 2020 election, filed a motion in court Monday saying that Fannie Willis engaged in a pattern of prosecutorial forensic misconduct, which he said should disqualify not only her, but her entire office and uh, prosecution staff. Schaefer's motion follows co-defendant Michael Roman's claim that Willis engaged in an improper relationship with special prosecutor Nathan Wade, whom she tried to hire or she, she hired to prosecute um, the, the sprawling racketeering case against Trump and asked the court to disqualify her from the case. Willis on Friday did respond last week to the allegations in a court filing and admitted having a personal relationship with Wade but denied any conflict of interest. She also argued that according to Georgia law, in order for a district attorney to be forcibly removed from a case, the conflict of interest has to be harmful to the defendant's case. Well, I don't know. (laughs) You tell me, is it harmful that the very people that are per- persecuting you, you are paying them to dig up and find and fabricate anything humanly possible to get this man? There, There is definitely something there. There's definitely smoke, which means there's fire. You just got to uh, you know, bring it to the light. Uh, Schaefer on Monday claimed that Willis has a pattern of procedural public statements, or, or prejudicial, excuse me, public statements about the case 
through media interviews and public speeches and claimed that in making such statements, she intended to reject and infect the jury pool. Schaefer and his lawyers argue that this is a preliminary of uh, what warrants her removal. The court filing money references when Fanny Willis first addressed the affair allegations in January during remarks she made at the Bethel AME Church in Atlanta. The the only attacked one, she said, first thing they say, oh, she's going to play the race card now. When she made that speech, I watched the whole thing, and it was uh, pitiful at, uh, at the least. That's where uh, it was woes me, and black women can't be persecuted for everything that they did. So as much as she said that you were going to play the race card, she actually kind of did in her own way. So, <laughs> I mean, uh, anyways... Um, I think she's playing the uh, entitled card. Since you're a Democrat and you're going after Donald Trump, you're entitled. Because you're entitled because you uh, you get a free pass on anything right now because the Democratic Party is going to give you a free pass on anything because you're doing exactly what they want you to do. So that's that's your uh, privilege, you're the privilege card. I'm, I'm saying entitled, but privilege card. That's your privilege right now. Um, her case is it's rapidly falling apart. I don't know if Georgia, uh, if that case actually makes it. Uh, all the way to where it's supposed to get to, especially not with her as a prosecutor. They're having all kinds of problems there. A lot of these cases against Trump are pretty weak, um, and a lot of them won't happen until after the election. And if that's the case, um, good chance that Donald Trump, if he's reelected, he just goes in there and tells them, you know, I'm pardoning myself from everything, me and everybody else. We're pardoned from everything, so you guys uh, kick rocks and have a nice life. Uh, which would be amazing to see, to be honest with you. I would, uh, I would personally like to see that myself. I'd like to see him just uh, pardon himself and everybody else, and they didn't get what they wanted to because this is political persecution of an opponent, and it needs to stop. This is not America. This is uh, the complete opposite of what America is and, sh- and should be. This is a fascistic, third-world country-run uh, political, uh, attack nonsense that you would see somewhere else. And it all needs to stop for sure. Uh, all right. There's so much going on, you know, it's just, it's hard to get through everything you could do. Uh, like I've said this before, you could do a three hour show. No problem. You know, it's just who the heck wants to listen to me talk for three hours. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I think 20 to 30 minutes long is enough to listen to one person ramble on. Uh, it's it's hard, and I'm just being real. It's hard to get guests. I could get guests on here nonstop of people that nobody has ever heard of. They don't have a big following and everything, and that's fine. You could have these people on because everybody uh, deserves a voice uh, to say something. But I, I think people want to hear from people they're interested in hearing from. I think you want to hear from people that are engaged in everything that's going on and they're part of it. They're behind the scenes or they're up front, whatever it is. It's hard to get guests. And it's a lot easier to have a long episode when there's some back and forth. You know, I bring people on and I let them do most of the talking because the whole point is to hear them talk and not me. But it would be nice to just sit down and have some conversations where you have guests lined up um, nonstop. And it makes the conversation, the back and forth, makes it a lot easier and a lot more entertaining for people to listen to. Certainly not three hours of just me and me by myself. Three hours of uh, a lot of these other programs, they have people that are there with them. I do this completely solo. Uh, so, 
Anyways, there's so much to get to. You could easily do a three-hour show. I just went sideways there. Uh, brave election integrity activists who stood up to the radical Democrats and paid operatives that attacked poll challengers is um, looking to um, be a committee member or a spot for a committee member for the RNC. Uh, the, event, the event happened inside the TCF Center in Detroit, Michigan during the highly controversial 2020 election. Um, left GOP poll challengers feeling numb as though they had just walked off a battlefield in a third world country, which is true. I mean, if you saw some of the stuff today in Detroit, if you remember in particular, that's the one where they started covering up the glass, the, the glass windows with a big, big, I don't know if it was cardboard or pieces of styrofoam or whatever, whatever it was, they were covering up. So you couldn't even stand outside and watch what they were doing or film with your cameras, what they were doing or phones or whatever. Um, in case you saw something that didn't look right, they just wanted to block it out and do everything in secrecy. Um, while the shocking events unfolded inside the, uh, basement of a massive event center, the Gateway Pundit was at the forefront of delivering up-to-date news that would shock the world. At lunchtime, a top election official in the counting room announced over the loudspeakers suggesting poll challengers should take a break and go to lunch while they prepare the military ballots, uh, which is kind of curious. Now, why why would we leave while you're preparing? Now, we'll sit right here. We'll watch you. We're good. Well, we can order lunch in. This is at a time where... Uh, COVID was supposedly running rampant and most restaurants weren't open and, uh, Uber and, and DoorDash and all those other, uh, organizations uh, really came up and made a lot of money because everybody was ordering everything into their house. I mean, they charge you an arm and a leg to do it, but that's what was happening. So no, no, we can order it in. I would have said, no, I'm good. Order the food. I'm going to sit here and stare right at you. And I want to see what you're doing. I'm going to ask you questions. What the hell are you doing? I want to know what you're doing right there because I don't trust what you people are doing here. Uh, but very curiously, they asked them to. Um, Democratic poll challengers and aggregators working in the room knew enough not to leave the room and had lunch delivered inside the counting room for them. But the GOP people were made to leave. It's almost like they knew the Republicans would be locked out. Once outside the counting room, election workers began to lock the main doors of the counting room. They even violated the fire safety code by placing heavy-duty chains around the handles of the main entrance and the doors to ensure Republican poll challengers had no chance of getting back inside to watch the counting of the military ballots. Even the doors leading to the outside of the TCF Center were padlocked, preventing anyone from entering or leaving the main building from the public entrance. Now, you wonder... Well, you don't wonder, but a lot of people, you wonder why nobody had faith in these elections. When we were watching these these situations unfold, when you're seeing everything just blasting across social media of everything that's happening from everybody that's standing in line or poll workers that are working there, you wonder why nobody could sit there and say that, no, this was a, a clean and a fair election because it wasn't. If it's clean and fair, hey, man, doors wide open. Everybody, don't touch anything, please. But everybody come in. If you want to ask questions, we're, as we're counting, we're going to keep moving here because we got to get this done. You know, it's we're expected to get this done for the people so they know who the next uh, president is. But you're allowed to ask questions. You're allowed to watch. You're allowed to do. You're allowed to be in here and see what's going on. We are 100% transparent here. If you're doing that, nobody's going to question who wins the election. 
everybody's going to go, oh, man, that sucks. America, you guys are stupid. You actually voted this dim-witted fool in the White House? Okay. But when you have all these types of issues, I don't think there's a person in the world that's not saying to themselves, there's something wrong here. They're like, they're, they're, this is some tomfoolery going on, and they're trying to steal an election. Anyways, um, this young lady decided she ended up dropping a dime on everybody um, about what was happening in there. And she is now uh, Hema, I, I'm, I know I'm going to say her name wrong. Okay, Hema, H-I-M-A, I'm, I'm kind of confident about that. It's her last name that's going to get really, really bad. Okay, so Hema, I apologize ahead of time. Uh, Kol Ana Gria Eddy. Now that's the best. I'm not even going to try to say that twice. <laughs> um, she's running, claiming the the Michigan GOP who mismanaged and had the inability to protect the vote in 2020. And she says that she can definitely do it better. So she is out there uh, looking to get a seat. Her story is pretty interesting. She's got a good one. She, uh, she's a mother of three children. Her oldest son is 23 years old, uh, is a medical student, and a second lieutenant in the U.S. Air Force. Her second son is 19 years old, and he's also a med, and med school student. Her youngest daughter is 17 and was recently selected for the Air National Guard. Hema is a successful owner of an IT staffing company with over 700 employees. She has became an American citizen, or she became an American citizen when she was married in 1999. And I got to tell you, she does not look her age because I keep saying young lady, um, and it's just because she's actually aging well. Uh, but she is, um, she was the one that sat in front of Michigan's uh, oversight committee right next to Giuliani uh, and explained the horrors of what she witnessed while trying to protect the sanctity of the vote. Um, and just in case you're trying to, if you're from Michigan, you probably remember, I would say that if you are not, uh, then, you know, there was so much going on. I'm sure you were focused on things that were happening a little bit closer to home. Um Hema is the chair of the 6th District Republican Party in Michigan. She's also running to become a committee uh, member of the RNC, where, if elected by the Michigan delegates, she'll focus on election integrity issues and bringing <clears throat> immigrants and minorities into the Republican Party. Uh, she has a pretty solid message. Uh, uh, she seems, at least on paper, like she's pretty solid. She did hang in there. With Giuliani and everybody while being questioned and being persecuted by mainstream media and everybody else uh, calling her a liar and everything for what she had seen. So definitely somebody that if you're in Michigan and you know who this is or you're, you're, you're the vote's coming up, you might want to take a pretty hard look at her and dig deeper into her. Uh, but if she is what she appears to be on paper, at least from what I've read um because it's multiple articles. I'm just giving you the Gateway Pundit one. Uh, on her, uh, she seems pretty solid, at least on paper. Yeah, I don't know her as a person, uh, but she seems pretty solid on paper. And in what you've seen in the past, I know it could not be, and it's not an easy thing to sit there with Giuliani and get grilled the way she got grilled and stand your ground. So seems like she's got the fight in her. Seems like she cares. Her kids are all um, uh, part of them, not all, but most of them part of the military. Uh, seems like she does love this country. It wouldn't surprise me because most people that immigrate or migrate over here um, from a much worse place generally do love this country and they don't want to see anything bad happen to it because they know where they came from. 
The problem that we have in America today is all these little spoiled uh, kids running around with pink and purple and blue hair have no idea how good you actually have it in life because you haven't experienced anything but here. You're just spoiled little brats that feel like you need to attach yourself to some type of a, a cause. So you get out there and you act like a bunch of fools and this is what we get from it. Don't pay attention to anything. You don't read anything. You don't do any homework. You, you don't want to work. You know, God, this new generation, they, you guys suck. <laughs> you guys suck. You know, my, when we were younger, we were not like you. I, and I'm not an old man. So this is not like I'm talking I'm 70 or 80 years old and this was back in the day. I was excited to get a job and worked at a corner store at the age of 13. And I was excited to have that job. I worked after school five days a week. The guy gave me the weekends off. I'd go in from 4 to 10, or, uh, what I work, 20 hours a week. I went in from uh, 6 to 10. That's what it was. I went in from 6 to 10. So I'd get home, I'd do my homework, I'd eat dinner with my parents, and then I'd go walk down the street <clears throat> to the corner store, and I'd go in there and I'd stock shelves and clean up and everything, uh, a little corner store named Humpty Dumpty. And I was excited. And at the end of the week, I was getting paid 5 bucks an hour. At the end of the week, I'd get my little bit less than a hundred dollars, and I was thrilled to death. And on the weekend, I'd have a hundred, I'd have about eighty bucks or so to work with. And I was thrilled to death. You know, I was like, "Oh, this is great! I can go get baseball cards, and I can go to the movies, and I can get myself stuff." And uh, I would go help my mom and dad do some grocery shopping. I'd use my checks to help do grocery shopping because we were hurting at that time. I wanted to work. That's the point. Uh, reading, I like to read. And anybody that doesn't read, once you start reading, you'll start liking to read. It's just one of those things that you just got to do it. And and then you start enjoying it. Uh, we wanted to read. We were interested in what's going on. We paid attention to everything. Maybe not 100%, but everybody kind of knew what was going on. And this new generation, you guys just don't know a damn thing. I don't know what you guys are doing with yourselves, but you're uneducated. You don't even try to educate yourself. You don't care about reading. All you care about is partying. You don't want to work. You want everything given to you. All of us were, we felt pride. My, my first car, <laughs> my, one of my first car purchases was a beat up, uh, 1985. I think it was 1985 beat up. It had a blue door and a black door. <laughs> that was a great car. Uh, AC didn't work. Uh, one window, one window only went down in South Florida. Believe me, it ain't no good. Uh, Buick Regal, <laughs> three hundred bucks. I bought it for. So anybody, anybody here that's you, you look at the price of cars, bought that used car for three hundred bucks, saved up, got the car, and uh, basically drove it till it died. And and uh, I I loved it. You know, you went out and you earned it, and it was a piece of crap. And and I love that piece of crap, but I still love it to this day. <laughs> But we, we were we we're built different. Nowadays, no one wants to earn anything. Kids don't even want to get their license half the time, which is, and I couldn't wait to get my, it's insane to me the way society has changed in such, such a short time. Uh, hopefully that you guys all wake up and start coming back and having a, having a little bit of sense. Um, because if not, my God, we're in a lot of trouble. I'm going to be honest with you. And that wraps up another episode of Little Joe's Conservative Corner. Thank you for tuning in and joining the conversation. 
Don't forget to subscribe to stay updated on all our latest episodes. And join us next time as we continue to explore the issues that shape our world. Until then, stay informed and stay engaged.